and loading all right we are live ladies and gentlemen lots to talk about today it could be a long show because we do have a full crew saturday is earth day so i thought dedicating this episode to a number of climate and energy related topics would have been uh that have been popping up recently would be pretty appropriate we're going to be talking about different protests we're going to be talking about the propaganda that's coming out we're going to be talking about uh, authoritarian policies out of the uk new york california and all these stories taken together uh going to paint a picture that the climate cult is getting crazier. We're going to be talking about all this and more in episode 394 of the In the Tank podcast. That's right. We had to change up the intro music again because YouTube will not relent on the music that we have paid for for our normal intro. But whatever, that's beside the point. I'm sure that has nothing to do with anything. Um, but yes, anyways, welcome to the In the Tank podcast. I'm your host, as always, Donald Kendall. Full crew I've got, like I mentioned, I've got Jim Lakely, VP of the Heartland Institute. How are you doing today? Good, sir. Uh, I'm doing great. It was my honor to fill in, uh, I would say ably, but probably not as good as you, obviously not as good as you. Even my own mother prefers you hosting the show instead of me. So, But I did do finger guns in the beginning. You know, that, I just that, wanted to make sure that you were there thing. somewhere. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's the hey, most important thing. Jim, don't be an ableist. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. Good reference. That was Chris Talgo, editorial director at the Heartland Institute. How are you doing today? Good, sir. I'm doing good, and I am not an ableist. <laughs> there's my little boy in the background right there here we go <laughs> also joining us we got justin haskins director of the socialism research center at the heartland institute uh hey guys um so if i pass out in the middle of the episode it's going to be because my wife has mandated on high like an empress that i am no longer allowed to have a chair in the office for half the day every day <laughs> because I'm having neck problems, so I have no chair. I'm standing. I'm going to do the entire show standing like I'm doing some kind of a Netflix comedy special. <laughs> and hopefully I don't die in the process of this. But if I do or, you know, there's just no one here at some point, it's probably because I passed out. I'm already exhausted. I think I've been up here for about 10 minutes, so that's <laughs> not a good sign. You, you should be sure to you should take advantage. Be sure to move around. You know, walk to the back. You know, go I, back and forth. You know? I agree. I'm gonna get one of those. I'm gonna get one of the handheld mics. That's what I should do. And then I can walk around and talk. You know, that's what. That's really that. that I mean, that. Tell me that wouldn't be entertaining. That would be much more. Entertaining. Yeah, that, that's how you should definitely do it. That's how you should Great. definitely do it. You should I'll have one of those GoPros attached to you so you could walk anywhere around your house, and we always get a good, nice picture of your face. <laughs> Um, anyways, before we get going, I always have to put that message out there for all the audio only listeners that are probably catching the show on a Friday or later. You can join us a day earlier on Thursdays at noon central time where you can watch us live where we are streaming on Facebook and YouTube and Rumble and Twitter. And you can join the conversation live, throw your comments and questions in there. Maybe we'll show your comments in the screen. Maybe we'll address your questions on the fly. Also, we have that super chat function if you want to. 
you know, help out the show by throwing us a couple of bucks, maybe attach a question on there, and we will be sure to read your question if you use that super chat function. Also, if you want to help us out, you can just by doing a couple of things that won't cost you any money, hitting that like button, subscribing if you haven't already, sharing this content, or just leaving a comment under the video all helps break through those big tech algorithms that prevent content like this from being shown to more people. Well, as Jim mentioned, uh, I am back in the saddle. He covered for me last week after, uh, you know, I was welcoming into the world my second boy here. So you guys miss me? Anyone? Mm, crickets uh, not really <laughs> all right all right yeah well i missed I, you donnie you know i had <laughs> i actually wasn't here but if i had been here i would have missed you that's right justin had like a sniffles or something he couldn't make it so uh yeah. i was on death's door but thanks <laughs> for sure. minimizing my illness uh so we got a lot a lot to get to so i want to jump right into it like i mentioned it's earth day um there was a whole bunch of different topics uh stories that kind of came across my desk that highlighted two major things uh, in the climate change movement, the growing level of cognitive dissidence and a growing level of open authoritarianism. So I, I, I was, you know, thinking about these stories and how they relate and, and kind of grabbing other stories. And I was I was really thinking, you know what, all of these stories taken together are really making this whole thing look like a climate cult. If it hasn't already, and I'm sure there's plenty of people on this on the show, Jim, that will say that, oh, no, we've been in the climate cult territory for a long time. And I personally have been hesitant to kind of use this terminology in the past, uh, but I'm using it now. I, I think we are well past that threshold. So like I mentioned, a bunch of stories I want to touch on this discussion, uh, but there's one that I want to start off that really irked me. And this was the one that really put me over the line of like, you know what? This is a cult. And the story is actually a trailer for a movie. Uh, and the title of that movie is How to Blow Up a Pipeline. So I think we have a slightly altered version of this trailer. Uh, altered, just kind of sped up a little bit. Uh, but I want to go ahead and play this trailer for us because this, this, just, this just blew me away. I'll save my comments for after, but go ahead and play that trailer. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Boom Talk. Today, teaching myself to make a homemade blasting cap. If this works, it'll be step one, making our own improvised explosive. Might be headed to Texas for the winter. What's in Texas? This project. What kind of project? Terrorism. Gonna stop the pipeline from being built on my property. Poison's the air. Water. Damn, this place is sick. You guys cooking match in here? I'm gonna start huh. We have to show how vulnerable the oil industry is by hitting something big. Michael, what do you think the odds are to blow yourself up? I don't really care. What a badass. We could blow the pipe at the hilltop. Keep the oil from leaking. You're not actually thinking. I'm not thinking about it. I'm doing it. was an act of self-defense. Yeah. Give me 
to blow up pipelines for self-defense. All right. This is a movie of our generation. So this movie actually just came out like a week and a half ago. The New York Times wrote a review about the movie uh, where they explain how the movie is squarely about eco-terrorism and that, quote, the movie treats this perspective with sympathy, respect, and even makes uh, it a strange kind of cultural landmark. That's the way that the New York Times described this. So the movie is based on a book by the same name authored by a Swedish professor of human ecology and an advocate of terrorism, Andreas Malm. Uh, In his book and elsewhere, Malm has promoted sabotage, property damage, and other terrorism to help fight against climate change. The movie was produced by the film production company Neon, who also produced movies including I, Tanya and Best Picture winner Parasite. Um, And and I want to make something like very clear about this. The point of this movie is to lionize the eco-terrorists. So I recall a movie that came out a couple of years ago. Jim reminded me it was called The Hunt. The the, the plot of this movie a couple of years ago uh, was about liberals hunting conservatives for for sport. It was like the most dangerous game, right? The most dangerous game was a take on that. And it sparked a bunch of controversy. Uh, because it was lost in translation, I guess, that the liberals were the bad guys. That movie wasn't trying to promote liberals hunting down conservatives. It was just some weird outrage that happened. That's not the case with this movie. Uh, like the New York Times Review states, the perspective of the terrorists, uh, they're treated with sympathy and respect. They are the good guys. That's the point of this movie. So uh, the movie, like the book it was based off, is intended to encourage this type of behavior, eco-terrorism, to fight against climate change. It's absolutely disgusting, uh, but I wanted to start off that because this is the level that we are currently at when it comes to the climate change debate. Openly encouraging eco-terrorism. Unbelievable unbelievable to me. Uh, But Jim, uh, I want your thoughts on this first. Well, I, I just thought it was really funny. Look at all the making out going on in that. Uh, in that, this, apparently, there's a lot of romance to be had in the uh, radical environmental terrorist group, and it just goes to show that since the 1960s, man, lefty chicks are easy. And so, you know, if, if that's that's probably how half the guys get involved in these things in the first place. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, yeah. Fighting climate change—that's secondary. <laughs> yeah, man. It's for chicks. <laughs> but look, you know, are we are we really surprised? I mean, you know, you mentioned at the top. I've been calling this the climate cult for a long time. I'm glad, as usual, I'm ahead of the game, especially ahead of you, Donnie. You have to come around, and eventually you come to see things my way. Uh, so I'm, I'm very appreciative of that. Uh, <laughs> but but look, this this is where we're at. We're, the, the, the climate cult has such cachet in our culture that you can make a movie in which um, eco-terrorists are the good guys. And, uh, you know, the destruction of property and, you know, harming people. And, and, the, and the reason this movie is made is because it's reflective in our society. Um, you know, in Britain right now, you know, the, the Just Stop Oil uh, outfit, the Extinction Rebellion was born in Britain, too. There's a lot of eco nuts uh, stuff happening in Britain. But uh, even Extinction Rebellion, I think they announced like six months ago or so that they were going to kind of tamp down some things. We're going to we're going to cut back a little bit on our environmental uh, activism that disrupts everybody's lives and destroys property and all that stuff. So now Just Say Oil has jumped into the game uh, and they're the ones that are now, you know, uh, stopping traffic on bridges. Um, uh, You know, there's there's people in an ambulance and they can't get to the hospital. Oh, Too bad. I guess you have to die because we have to save the planet. Um, Things like that. We have clips of other uh, other radical nut job, uh, you know, direct action, as the left calls it. But that's why a movie like this is made. 
because this has been mainstream. It's been celebrated by our by the media globally, and that uh, you know the, most of the people that control our culture are climate cultists. So of course they're going to try to do all they can to advance that cult in every way they can and in everywhere they have power. Yeah, Chris, I mean, you watched it. You told me before we went live that you thought this was a joke at first and didn't realize that it was a trailer for an actual movie that was promoting eco-terrorism. But no, it's very real. Uh, do you have anything you want to, uh, anything else you want to say about this? Yeah, well, first of all, silly me for not believing that this thing was real right off the bat. And also, <laughs> you know, stupid me because I do watch, you know, a lot of stuff on Netflix, Amazon, HBO Max, and some of the other big streaming services. And I know that this is not <clears throat> a streaming service movie. This is actually going to be put out in the theaters. But one thing that I've noticed, and especially the past, you know, two or three years, the wokeness, the the, the obsession with the climate, with social justice, in every single movie and TV show, it's just, it's never ending. So it doesn't surprise me that Hollywood <clears throat> would produce an entire movie in which they're saying it's good to blow up pipelines because in Hollywood, the ends always justify the means. And I also wonder if this is, uh, you know, just a way for them to get a little bit of cover because we all know that the hypocrites in Hollywood are not the ones who are going green, who are giving up their private jets, who are giving up their, you know, SUVs and all this stuff. So I think this is a way for them to kind of like say like wink, wink, nod, nod. Like we're on, we're on the good, we're on the good side here. We're, we're, you know, we are the good team while they, you know, don't actually do what they say that they are supposed to be doing. Yeah, Justin, I mean, it just seems bizarre that uh, we're at this point where this, this type of thing could just be so openly, you know, like. We, we, there was a lot of talk a handful of years ago when the Marvel Cinematic Universe Phase 12 was wrapping up and, and Thanos, the big bad guy, was for ecological reasons, was trying to wipe out half of the, the world's population. And it was like, you know, we pointed at it, it's like, oh, see, this is like, you know, what these people somewhat believe. But he was the bad guy. These guys are the good guys. How are we here? <laughs> is this does this is this reflective, I guess, of, of the culture? Or am I reaching a little bit? It's reflective of the culture that is uh, with younger people, I think. I think there is a degree of young liberals who truly do believe what they've been told over and over and over again by many different people for their entire lives, which is that the world is on the brink of completely collapsing, that we're all soon going to die if we don't stop a climate crisis. And if you really believe that, then... Why wouldn't you blow up the pipelines? I mean, if you think of carbon dioxide as a poison that is floating up into the air, like if we actually imagine that that's what it is, it's actually a bunch of people. Like if we, if we imagine there are all these businesses and it was, and these businesses were pumping poison up into the air or, or putting it into the, everyone's water supply everywhere in the entire world. There's nowhere to escape. And we were all getting cancer from it, okay? And we knew this for a fact. We're all getting cancer from water at the age of 40 uh, that because these companies are pumping it into the water supply. And the government isn't doing anything about it because they're corrupt and they're in bed with these big businesses. And, and, and we all knew that. I mean, who, wh this kind of stuff seems much more reasonable. Sure. And, and that's exactly the mindset that a lot of these people have. And, and what's scary is, we know for a fact that uh, older generations of people, like say 40 and above, 
that the vast majority of them, even the ones on the left, don't really believe that this is actually an existential crisis. And mm. we know that because they've never lived their lives as though that were the case. Sure. And they just never have done it, right? So when Al Gore talks about it being an existential crisis while he's flying around in his private jets and multiple mansions, these gigantic mansions and all this stuff, driving around his gasoline power car, like we know that he doesn't actually believe it. When Barack Obama builds a mansion on an island, Martha's Vineyard, we near the beach, we know he doesn't think that sea level is going to consume everything. When big banks and insurance companies are financing homes being built on the beach in Malibu, California, we know they don't actually believe it's a crisis. When they're doing business with China, one of the biggest emitters of CO2 emissions in the world, we know that they don't actually believe it's a crisis. So we know those people don't actually believe it, really. But younger, a lot of younger people, they do. They've been radicalized into thinking that this really is an existential crisis. And so what's terrifying about that is logically, this actually makes sense if you buy the underlying premise. Why wouldn't we? This is like akin to Oscar Schindler, right? This is the this is like we're violating the law. We're going against what government says, but it's to save Jews. Like that's basically what these people, that's how they see themselves. Right. So it's that underlying assumption, which is why Heartland has spent so much time over so many years talking about this issue. The underlying assumption, if it actually is believed universally and taken to its logical uh, conclusion, you get blowing up pipelines, you get uh, you know authoritarianism, throwing people in jail because they work for a fossil fuel company or for an organization that said that, you know, we should have the most affordable energy like the Heartland Institute, you know, and not just have wind and solar. Like, that's the logical mm. outcome of that way of thinking. Yeah, so, I mean, it may, actually, in a way, it, it make, I'm surprised it's taken so long, you know, in a way, right? I mean, truly, the, if you believe we're all going to die, then blowing up pipelines isn't that big of a deal. Well, it, it's just that th this this trailer and the guy that wrote the book that this movie is based off of, they are encouraging people to become literal martyrs in this holy war of theirs against climate change. Right. Sounds pretty cult-like to me. So, uh, you know, like I said, the, the accusations of cult-like behavior have swirled around for a while when it comes to climate change. You know, and I, I was like, ah, you know, maybe, maybe it's like, maybe they're reaching a little bit. But now it's like, it's almost too on the nose. Uh, other other times it's too on the nose. Do you guys remember the NBC when NBC did their Confess Your Climate Sins project? Oh, God. Where they had a website where they encouraged people to go oh, to the yeah. website to confess their actions uh, that you do personally that uh, negatively impact climate change. Or, uh, or do you remember when Mayor Pete compared inaction to climate change to sinning? He said that it was like a type of sin. Or when comedian Sarah Silverman compared Greta Thunberg to the second coming of Jesus. Do you remember these things? Like, it sounds kind of cult-like to me. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I do. I mean, in the show notes, we have a piece uh, linked over to American Enterprise Institute, uh, climate change, the climate change cult. Uh, I think it's like 10, 10 warning signs, it says. But, you know, before I read that, Donnie, actually, this is why I've been calling it a cult or a religion. It has all the hallmarks of a religion or a cult. 
Um, their beliefs are impervious to reason. Wait, 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 wait. Before you do this. Can I go through my list? No, I'm basing the entire show off of this list. So I don't want you to rattle through all of our our main points here. All right. uh, (laughs) If you want to give us some general take, that's fine. But I I seriously want to go through like 0.1, 0.2, 0.3 for the rest of the episode. So. All right. Well, I'll I'll just, we'll we'll go through them, but I won't go through all these, but I'll just say, but yes, it's obvious. I mean, if you look at the uh, characteristics of a religion or a cult, all of the all of the factors in the climate extremism and the climate cult also apply. You know, I mean, they they believe they have belief and they're impervious to data. You can't you can't convince them of that. You can't just tell them that, uh, you know, uh, historically, carbon dioxide, the rise in carbon dioxide follows temperature, not the other way around. If you look back through eons, you can tell them that and it doesn't have any effect on their belief system. It's a belief system. You can't it, it's a be it would be as pointless as trying to. Um, talk the Pope out of being Catholic. That's, that's where we are with the climate cultists. They're, they're completely impervious to reason. Yeah. Danny, I just, I just want to expand real quick on something that Justin said that really caught my attention. Uh, you know, looking back on the trailer, um, these were all like, uh, young people. These were all like hip people. These were all, um, almost, uh, you know, like, like, you know, Antifa like, but, you know, better looking and actually, you know, with, uh, normal clothing but i it, it almost was a to me like in a like a recruitment video for this and then i started to think back gosh when i was a kid i remember there were a bunch of cartoons like captain planet and all those kind of things which was really pushing this stuff so i wonder if what they're doing now is that you know they've they've already got the the kids at the younger ages with the you know the planet's going to die and all this kind of stuff and now they're uh thinking about the next you know like the, the next stage of their plan which is all right, now we got to radicalize the young people to actually go and do the things that we want them to do. And that's why I was also taken by what Jim said with, uh, you know, the stop oil and and all these movements. It just, you know, it, it just dawned on me that these are all like almost uh, 20 somethings or like, you know, late teenagers. Mm-hmm. And they're just completely, you know, like uh, unaware of the truth and of reality. But I think that this is the, um, you know, the result of a 10, 20, 30 year campaign to radicalize and indoctrinate and brainwash these kids into thinking that the climate is, you know, that climate change is an existential threat. And if it, and, and, you know, and if they buy that, which I think a lot of them do just based on the conversation with my friends and, you know, some of my family members, it makes sense that they would say, well, you know, desperate times call for desperate measures. And if it means blowing up a pipeline or blowing up a substation or throwing, you know, paint on a, you know, on a, on a, you know, painting to, you know, bring attention or whatever it is, I think that this is this is their way of justifying that because in their minds, it's always the ends justify the means. Yeah, well, after you mentioned that, now I'm having these visions of a, a reboot of Captain Planet where it's like a hard R gritty, <laughs> gritty. Movie. I'm sorry, I've got I've got the theme song stuck in my head now and it's going <laughs> to annoy me all day. Oh, uh, that's inevitable. That's inevitable. Give it a couple more years. We're going to have a hard R Captain Planet movie. Uh, so, yes, Jim, you, you mentioned uh, I, I have a, a piece in the show notes that is from the American Enterprise Institute titled The Climate Change Cult, 10 Warning Signs. So uh, this is a, a great piece. Um, it builds upon a post based off of a list of 10 warning signs of unsafe groups developed by an intervention specialist and expert on cults. So, you know, that's 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 pretty uh, that's pretty legit, I guess. So I want to go through the list point by point, and then bring up kind of more recent stories that kind of tie into and and kind of support each of these points. 
So the the article that Andy has pulled up right there uh, is a couple of years old. Uh, so I want to kind of go through it and, and kind of update it as we go with with more timely examples of stuff. So point number one, absolute authoritarianism without meaningful accountability. So the original author points to how the leaders of this movement are mostly politicians and celebrities who have no scientific training uh, that prescribe carbon austerity for you, but themselves live nice and posh lives. So, uh, Jim, you know, you were you were kind of antsy to get into this list. So do you have any comments on this on this first point uh, before I move on any further? Well, yeah, I mean, it's all, it's a kind of part of a, um, you know, a, a hallmark of a religion or could be one of the hallmarks of religion, um, if you're cynical about it, uh, could be hypocrisy, right? So that, you know, Al Gore gets to live in a 20,000 square foot home because he's a high priest of the climate cult. Um, the rest of us don't get to live that way. In fact, he gets to fly on planes. He gets to be on a motorcade uh, and all these kind of things. But, you know, that's another hallmark of a bad religion, you know, <laughs> is that, you know, the high priests and priestesses get to live it up while the rest of us um, have to atone for our sins. So, yep. Yeah, or a, or a, cor or a corruption of uh, some religious faction or something like that. Oh, and by the way, uh, because there's 10 of these and different examples of stuff that I want to sprinkle throughout, I'm not going to go to each one of you for your comments on each one of these 10 points. So I'm just going to pick somebody. Um, and then if you have something to elaborate on, you want to jump in, feel free to do so. I'm not going to cut you off until the very end when we're running out of time. Just an FYI. Uh, so number two. But no tolerance for questions or critical inquiry. So this is probably one of the most obvious traits of the climate change cults, uh, since at least as I have been involved in this topic area, I've always heard the same lines. The science is settled. Uh, the debate is over. You know, so as long as I've been in this, probably at least, what, 10 years, 12 years, mm -hmm. something like that. I, I haven't been uh, I haven't been able to to debate that's been off the table for at least 10 to 12 years. Back in 2014, the BBC Trust instructed their journalists to stop giving deniers airtime. Chuck Todd in 2018 opened an episode of Meet the Press stating that he was no longer going to give airtime to deniers. So this is a thing that's pretty rampant. Uh, and obviously, this sort of gatekeeping has supercharged in recent years as social media began to, to weigh in on the matter. And I guarantee you that this video already has a warning label on YouTube because of the subject that we're discussing. And just the other day, TikTok, which is like the probably the largest growing social media for young people, uh, expanded their misinformation restrictions to include climate misinformation. And obviously, I am no fan of misinformation, but the you know when you start banning quote-unquote misinformation the question immediately is well who gets to determine what's misinformation if we go out there and say wind and solar are insufficient to to, to uh, power a industrialized first world country is that misinformation uh, or is that an opinion or is that actually a fact that's just being labeled misinformation so this idea the no tolerance for questions or critical inquiry uh, not only has been going on for a long time but it's getting crazier and crazier Chris, you know this firsthand. I always bring up um, how the, uh, there's certain even friendly publications that won't take any of our climate change stuff because they're afraid that their accounts on social media are going to get uh, uh, limited, throttled because of that content. So what, what is your thoughts on point two of, of this? Are they a cult? Well, I definitely believe that there's been a chilling effect throughout the media because they are worried about the consequences if they publish anything <clears throat> that that questions, you know, uh, climate dogma. 
But Donnie, uh, what this reminds me of, and I, you know, think cults are somewhat interesting. And I've watched a lot of documentaries about Jim Jones and David Koresh and a bunch of other cult leaders. And this is so sim- like emblematic of what they what you know, what they always resort to whenever an outsider, whenever one of the people within the cult question, hey, maybe, you know, may- maybe, you know, we should look at this from another way or maybe there's another answer to this. They're excommunicated. They are just like flat out, you know, just just like annihilated. So it's there. There is no room for anyone to question any of the uh the things that are pushed from the top and i think this is just so uh part and parcel to climate change where you can have all the data in the world you can have all the facts and figures at your disposal and you can put them and then it's you know it's just an automatic don't say that shut up and we're going to silence you (laughs) yeah and we're going to get to that a little bit more too because there's a couple more points on this list that tie directly to that idea But point number three, no meaningful financial disclosure regarding budget expenses, such as independently audited financial statements. So the interconnected web of money from climate groups, the media (laughs) subsidies for green projects from the government, greenwashing, it's an incredibly, incredibly well-financed machine. And I always find it funny that people kind of pointed us, the Heartland Institute, as if we're like a wash in big oil money. When in reality, especially compared to the green apparatus, we are like a, 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 a little fly in the face <laughs> of, a, of a woolly mammoth. Like it's insane how much more money that that whole green movement has compared to us lowly working on StreamYard on YouTube uh, <laughs> plebes over here. Um, but then, you know, as we've exposed in the past couple of years, the ESG scheme is literally warping the entire economy to undergird the climate change movement, truly an unquantifiable amount of money, power and influence. Justin, am I overstating things? No, I mean, that's the the, 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 the amount of money behind ESG initiatives, sustainable investment globally is somewhere in the neighborhood of a hundred trillion dollars, trillion with a T. Uh, that is a an insane amount of money that is almost impossible for regular people to wrap their minds around. I mean, the U.S. GDP is something like twenty trillion dollars, I think, somewhere in that neighborhood. The uh, the average budget, uh, you know, for the for the U.S. government is you know maybe five, six trillion, somewhere in that range, depending on the year you're looking at, something like that. I mean, we're talking a hundred trillion dollars, right? And so when you have that much money floating around saying we're all gonna pour our money into one thing, uh, and we're going to and we're going to basically refuse to put any of that money, um, a lot of it, public dollars, by the way, pension fund dollars, government dollars, et cetera, in anything having to do with fossil fuels over the long run, I mean, how do you, if you're a big corporation in any industry, it doesn't matter what you're in, of course you're going to follow that money. You're not going to just sit on your hands and just go bankrupt. You know, you're going to go where the money is going. That's how it works. I mean, you mentioned earlier, just Exxon. I mean, some of these things make, I mean, they make absolutely no sense, right? You mentioned earlier, it's so ironic because whenever anybody talks about this debate, they always make it sound like the people on our side of the debate are rolling in cash. We're all like Scrooge McDucks over here. We got cash everywhere. We're doing, we have gold swimming pools and we're just having a great time and full of money. And it's all the big oil companies, right? You said that. And that's exactly right. I, I, I spent literally five seconds Googling this. Exxon Mobil, 
Okay, one of the world's largest oil companies. If you look up information about Heartland, you'll get all these people who say ExxonMobil is funneling tons of cash to Heartland. It's not true. They're not. In 2021, Exxon announced plans to invest $15 billion, $15 billion in lower greenhouse gas emissions initiatives over the next six years. Since then, this is from 2023, this article, they increased it to $17 billion through 2027, which amounts to $2.8 billion per year. So that's just one oil company. It's an oil company putting $2.8 billion into green initiatives. And, and we're supposedly the people on our side are the ones flush with oil money cash. It's just like undermining all of that. It's, it's completely, it literally takes five seconds to look it up. You know, that's all you have to do. And so I, I think that now, whether that's tied to a cult or not, does that have something to do with it being a cult? Eh, I don't know. I don't know if I necessarily see the connection there, but I do agree that, the amount of money behind this and the way that the money, it's not just chasing the best idea or chasing the best product mm -hmm. or chasing the best service or chasing the most innovative thing. It's it's very specifically, we're going to put the money into the green stuff, even if it's more expensive, less efficient, less reliable, has lots of problems, uh, requires us to just you know, shut down uh, existing forms of technology earlier than they really need to like power plants or uh, gasoline power cars or whatever. We're going to just put the money into green stuff, regardless of whether it makes any sense financially. There's no doubt about that, that that's happening. Um, and I think it's a huge, 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 massive problem. I would argue right. that's the primary way, <laughs> especially in America, that this thing is being rolled out. It's through the financial system, through BlackRock and companies like that. That's where this is the biggest push is coming from. Joe, hey, Joe Biden, Biden just, just Joe Biden just announced this morning that the United States is pledging one billion dollars more for the UN's mm -hmm. Green Climate Fund. So right. there you go. How much is uh, how much is Heartland's budget, Jim? Is it is it one billion dollars? Is it two point eight billion? If it is, can I get some of that money? Because I don't, you know, it, that's it, a lot. I mean. It's, it's a little bit south. It's a little bit south of a billion dollars. I'll just, just, I'll just say it there. <laughs> God. Uh, yeah. No. It's. Uh, I, I, I. Somebody needs to do some type of like, like one of those Glenn Beck chalkboard like pictures of where all the money with the green and every uh, subsidies and the green funds, Sierra Club, all of that stuff, and you will be blown away by it. Blown away by it. I'm sure. But yeah. Sounds like a good uh, project for the Heartland Institute, as a matter of fact. That's I think idea. so. Let's let's put our intern on it. I think he's listening right now. Start working on that, sir. <laughs> um, all right. Next one. Unreasonable fear. This is number four. Unreasonable fear about the outside world, such as an impending catastrophe, evil conspiracies, and persecutions. <laughs> Do I even need to elaborate on this no. one? I mean, come move on. on to the next one. I think we actually have a nice little highlight package of, of some uh, of the crazier rhetoric that is spouted routinely across the Internet and on just your normal CNNs and MSNBCs of the world. Go ahead and play that video if we have it ready. My name's Cameron Ford. I'm 31 and I work as a carpenter and I've locked my neck to a fuel tanker. This is a bit uh, ridiculous, really. And the mainstream media are going to do their best to make us look like nutcases. Oh, they don't and have to try very hard. That's the message they're peddling. But what is nuts is the government are refusing to listen to the science. 
if we continue with fossil fuels, then we're going to we're going we're not going to have a planet that we can live on. If we carry on the way we're going, I can't see this civilization lasting the end of this century. No chance, in my view. If we get it wrong, yeah. so if we do the wrong things, when I think there's a very, very big risk that we will just end our civilization, the human species will survive somehow, but we will destroy almost everything we built up over the last 2,000 years. Huh? I'm pretty sure. It's, pretty sure. <laughs> it's just so, the path we're on is just so dark. It's so, it's so bleak, you know, I, I see, uh, you know, tropics that's uninhabitable by un uninhabitable by humans because it's too hot it's too humid and what? hot uh, <laughs> our bodies couldn't even survive there yeah, no and one wants to survive there potentially right. hundreds of millions of people needing to leave that region and go to cooler areas and we are without exaggeration facing a trajectory and impacts that will um obliterate the possibility of human civilization within you know by the year 2100 and that is not I an mean, exaggeration and the, the <laughs> fact that that is not widely known that the stakes it's are not so extraordinarily known. high i think is something that really uh really caused a lot of people to you know from, from media to to scientists to, to hang their heads in, in in real shame and real horror these tipping points have the possibility they certainly put forward the risk uh of a uh of a fade that could take the climate, the Earth system, out of our control into conditions that would be an existential threat to us. Everybody on the planet now needs to be galvanized to tackling climate change because it is yeah. by far the most important and biggest emergency that mankind has ever faced. I, I mean, Jim, you, you could you could argue that hmm. like comparing, you know, these different attributes of a cult to, you know, an organization, you could stretch it and make certain things sound like what this this attribute, this point four, right? Unreasonable fear about the world impending catastrophe. You can compare this to the most outlandish cults out there. The idea that there is a comet coming, we're all going to die. Uh, you know, we all have to drink the Kool-Aid type of a thing because we're going to be risen up to to whatever the mastership or something like that. Like this is on par with that. <laughs> like I, I don't care what you say, but I mean, you've 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 seen this rhetoric longer than I have. I mean, this is pretty wild stuff. Yeah, well, I I'm the one who grabbed those those uh, those video clips, and I could have we could have put we could have spilled hours and hours and hours of uh, people um, getting a prominent place to speak and talking about how humans are, are, um, are humans are doomed. I mean, you know, when we, we talk about this subject, obviously a lot here on this podcast and on the climate change Roundtable show, which is on Fridays at the same time, one o'clock Eastern on our Heartland, uh, Heartland Institute YouTube channel. But you know, it's, it's these look in the, look in their eyes. You know, I, I, when you watch these people, that's, that's the kind of thing that struck me. It's like they're, they're, it's, I can almost see the, the spirals in their eyes. They are hypnotized. They, 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 and they really believe this stuff. Like a, a professor believes that um, earth will not be inhabitable by humans by the end of the century. That that poor guy, that younger fella, um, talking about how humans will not be able to. It'll be so hot and humid in the tropics that humans will not be able to survive there. I mean, does he really think that the daily high temperature, say in the Amazon rainforest, is going to be like 150 degrees Fahrenheit? I mean, this is this is absolute lunacy. 
And again, that's a telltale sign that you are in a cult. You start babbling absolute nonsense. And these people are certifiable. I really, a part of me really, if, if they hadn't moved policy globally down a very dark and terrible path, I'd almost feel sympathy for these people because they have been brainwashed. They are not thinking people. They are automatons who are moving at the direction of the cult leaders uh, in this in, in the world right now. And it's I'd almost feel sorry for them if it wasn't if the policies that they demand we do right now weren't so destructive to the human condition. Justin, we know that this isn't just some like fringe, uh, you know, group of just like these, you know, 12 people that we showed in this montage we've done we've uh we've done polling that uh, asks people or viewers of cnn and msnbc i forgot the exact numbers but it was like um you know how long does like humanity have uh you know if climate change is left like unabated and and correct me if i'm wrong maybe you remember it better than i do but it was like a quarter it was like 25 percent of like cnn viewers thought that we had between like 10 and 20 years or something like that to live like it's some like large percentage of the population it's, it's wild yeah. stuff yeah i mean they, they've done a lot of studies about um sort of climate catastrophist views in various countries and and things like that we've done polling on that in the united states with likely voters and over and over and over again they show actually as crazy as the climate stuff is in america americans are far less likely to buy into it than a, hmm. people in a lot of other countries i mean there are countries in the world where it's more than 50 percent of people think that we're on a, a course toward the end of human civilization like more than half the population i mean can you imagine living in a society where one out of every two people at least thinks humanity isn't pro is probably not going to exist in a hundred years. Like it just probably won't happen. Like, can you imagine like what kind of a place that is? I mean, I, I, like that kind of stuff is just, it has infected. And, and what's, and what's amazing about it too is, you know, the same people who've made this kind of argument. And this is also, I think you could, uh, this is maybe not so much a cult thing as much as it is uh, you see this probably more so with uh, a more organized religion that's moved beyond just cult. It, it's like the perpetual uh, new thing, right? It's this prediction didn't work out, so there's another prediction. I mean, you right. can go back 60, 70 years and find all sorts of things, catastrophes, things that yeah. are going to wipe us out. I mean, we've talked about this it's a bunch a of point. times, like the population control thing, right? Like we're going to have a population boom. We're not going to be able to feed everybody. The global cooling thing was a big thing in the seventies. You have global warming. You have the ozone layer. You have Y2K. You have like all these different, but just sticking even to environmentalist things, uh, you know, uh, pollution in the atmosphere, right? Uh, the blue fog thing that what's his name at Stanford was, was all yeah. into like, this is, this has been, and none of it happens. It never happens. Like all the predictions they claim are going to happen don't happen. Well, no, yeah, you're right. It's like in the cult where they're like, oh, we interpreted, you know, the the scriptures yeah. and it comes up with this date. And then that date comes and passes. Right. Like, oh, we, we messed it up. Now we reinterpreted it. <laughs> yeah. And now it's a later date. It's the yeah. same thing with this. It's like, oh, we did, we ran the, we ran the models and this is the date. Oh, and then that date comes and passes. Oh, wait, we ran the models wrong. We got to do it again. <laughs> Right. And that's, and it really, is, it really is. It really is like that. I mean, I remember, and this is where experience I think actually does have some benefit. One of the things that my, so my father is a 
my dad is a, is a good uh, conservative uh, guy. He's been a, a, a conservative for forever. And I remember when I was younger, I, I was always pretty conservative, but I remember when I was younger, college age or so, you know, I was worried about climate change. That was something I was worried about. And I thought, you know, I don't know, we can, I'm sure we can figure out some kind of free market, you know, way of dealing with this or whatever. We don't have to give all the power to government in order to deal with it. But, I, but you know, all the scientists say this is the case. This is how I thought. Right. And so we need to do something about it. And I remember my dad, who, who does not know anything about science, you know, but but said, look, I, I understand that there are a lot of people out there saying this, but I've been through this like four times in my life already. Like I remember all the other things and I'm telling you, don't trust these people because they're not trustworthy people, you know, and that was the basis of it. It wasn't, well, I'm going to go do the science. It was the same people who told me when I was in high school that, you know, the world was about to end. And then when I was, you know, in my twenties and then when I was in my thirties and just having kids. And then when I was in my forties, just starting my business, one crisis after another, it never happened. And so, you know, and, and every single time the solution is some kind of big government action that gives them and their friends more power and money every single time. Don't believe it. Right. And sure enough, you know, he loves to rub it in my face. Later on, I came to the conclusion that, you know, dad was right. And it's like, that it didn't, he didn't need to be a scientist because he understood the history of it. And younger people don't have that advantage. That's part of the problem. Yeah. When you're 20, you don't remember. You don't even know that the global cooling thing was a thing or the population control thing was a thing or the ozone layer thing was a thing. You don't know any of that. And so if all you're being told is that this is a crisis, the science is settled, don't listen mm -hmm. to the crazy people funded by oil, then yeah, you're going you're gonna to believe it. But Again, it's like the organized religion that only talks about the, the end of the world that's about to come and never mentions the fact that they made like 15 other predictions for the end of the world that never happened. Right. Like that's where we're at right now with these yeah. people. Chris, I uh, I want to throw the next one to Jim. But before I do, uh, do you have any comments on, on, on this particular point? Well, cults thrive on fear and they always have to have a, they always have to have a boogeyman. And uh, they have chosen their boogeyman and it's quote climate change. And it's, you know, anyone uh, who's for greenhouse, uh, you know, gas emissions and fossil fuel uses. So it makes total sense to me. Yeah. You know, it's the, it really is the perfect boogeyman because it's not something that could like easily be just like dealt with. Right. It's like, oh, climate change. I just saw a story that was talking about some like microbe, that new microbe that they found in some volcano that like consumes CO2. And it was like, oh, this could be a solution or something. I don't know. There's probably and, and, not. And, and Danny, that's such a great point, because then it can also change. It can shift like Justin just described. Yeah. And I actually had the same experience with my father. Um, how in the sixties it was, you know, global cooling and then it was, uh, global warming and now it's climate change. And it's just, you know, they're, they're constantly, uh, you know, shifting right, but, back and forth. Yeah. And right. if it was easily dealt with, like, oh, we just released right. this new microbe that we found into the atmosphere and we'll be fine. It would not be a big enough boogeyman to justify any of these things that they've been prescribing over the last couple of decades. But, uh, Jim, the next couple kind of go hand in hand. So I'm just going to group these up for the sake of time. Uh, number five, there is no legitimate reason to leave. Former followers are always wrong in leaving, negative or even evil. And number six, former members often relate the same stories of abuse and reflect a similar pattern of grievances. So like I said, I think that you can speak to this one better than I have, considering that you've been in this field a little bit longer than I have. Uh, we do know that people like Judith Curry or Michael Schellenberger are treated when they leave the cult or at least have... Uh, 
you know, leave the cult or at least don't walk lockstep with the movement. Um, I'm sure you have a lot more examples in the holster of people that were kind of believers of the cult and then have since left and been excommunicated like that. Uh, but your thoughts on these two points? Well, yeah, I immediately thought of Michael Schellenberger and we had him on this podcast, uh, what, about a year and a half ago when he wrote uh, his book, basically. Um, Apocalypse Never. That's right. Apocalypse Never, because he looked at the data um, rare among people who are, I guess maybe Michael Schellenberger was never really in the climate cult per se. I, I think a lot of people are, you know, you're, you're just passively, you, you're just living life. You are just inundated with information and propaganda, I should say, that human activity is causing a catastrophic, uh, is going to cause catastrophe on earth. That we It'll be, as we showed in that montage, uninhabitable. Joe Biden says, every time he talks about the climate, John Kerry says the same thing. It's an existential threat to humanity. And if you're just passively living your life, you're just inundated with this propaganda all the time. And I think Michael Schellenberger was one of those people. I mean, he was politically a liberal on the left. And like many you know, people who called themselves liberals maybe 10, 15 years ago, he realized he looked around and everybody was suddenly a super hard leftist. And he was wondering what happened to everybody. Um, what happened to everybody was part of it is the climate cult, is that um, leftists see climate as their avenue for for gaining the control and the political power that they've been unable to to get for a long time, and so um, so Michael Schellenberger is under constant attack now by the left. Um, it was really funny when when people who were maybe cult adjacent is a better way to put it uh, <laughs> when they when they when they escape when they kind of come over and they and they look over at an organization like the Heartland Institute and we say hey there buddy you know good to see you and they go God now I'm getting attacked the way you guys are it's like right. that's right. And it's because it doesn't matter whether you were a former leftist or used to be in the cult. In fact, that's even worse because you've left them, you've, you've, you've spurned them. But they see everybody in the out group is evil. Um, you know, again, that's that's an aspect of religion is that you you have to have sin and you have to have. And there, of course, if you have sin, you have sinners. Now, most Christian sects or, you know, Christianity, for the most part, has the idea that you hate the sin, but you love the sinner, uh, the climate cult. Uh, hates the sin of just living your life the way you want to or driving an SUV. And they also hate the sinner. And so um, that's what's kind of dangerous about this. And that's why it's much more cult-like than religion-like. Yeah. Uh, number we'll seven. You, hold on. Before Go we ahead. get to that real quick, the best example, really one of the best examples uh, in modern history is Michael Moore. Michael Moore oh, yeah. didn't, yes. didn't even give up, didn't even give up the idea that climate change is a catastrophe, but he dared... To produce a movie uh, directed by Jeff Gibbs called, mm. uh, what was it? Planet of the Planet, Humans. Yeah, Planet of the Humans. Planet yeah. of the Humans that presents an, uh, the idea that just the renewable energy part of the of the issue is actually all garbage. It isn't really going to do the things that it claims it will. It's not really going to cut down on, it, it has all sorts of environmental problems. and It doesn't do what everyone claims that it will do. And he agreed with everything else. He just disagreed with that one part, right. you know, and that was enough to, you know, burn him at the stake. Like, get this guy out of here. He right. They took a, it off of YouTube. They took the video off of yeah, YouTube. Yeah. He was the, I mean, and he's, he's not just like some guy, you know, like, like, like Michael Schellenberger was a big deal prior to his most, you know, prior to his most recent thing, but not anywhere near like, like Michael Moore. I mean, Michael right. Moore was a saint, like, figure in the left for two decades and then all of a sudden he's he's out 
He's a monster. I don't know what happened to him. He got bought off by oil companies. Get this guy out of here. And, yeah. and now he's like nobody. He's just he's just trash to these people now. It's unbelievable how That's fast. Good point. I haven't I haven't seen him, and he's hard to miss. He's gone. I know. <laughs> Boom. Patrick, All right. Patrick Moore, another another great example. The founder oh, of Greenpeace yeah. Canada. I That's believe. right. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, all right. Uh, number seven. There are records, books, news articles, or television programs that document the abuses of the group slash leader. Uh, I wasn't exactly sure what this one was trying to say, uh, but I think it does kind of relate to the previous two points. But and I'll go even kind of further into just the absurd standards that they hold people to, which, you know, you guys already just touched on. But, you know, a couple more points to add to yours, Justin, is like, like there was examples of like Diane Feinstein, right? Diane Feinstein and Nancy Pelosi, some of the most like progressive people in Congress that were like backed into corners uh, in the Capitol building by a bunch of indoctrinated children about their stances on the Green New Deal and other type of, you know, crazy leftist solutions to stuff. It's like if Diane Feinstein and Nancy Pelosi aren't green enough for you, then like you're you should consider yourself more on the fringe elements of stuff I, or the how dare you sorry go ahead chris oh i was gonna say i have a i have a slightly different take on this from what i read it was actually like the leader so if you want to say al gore john Kerry, or barack obama or quote the leaders they're not doing what they say they do so yeah oh, we've sure. all said you know the uh, do as they say not as i do the hypocrites and all that but I, I think that this is another thing that is so part and parcel to cults where David Koresh was, you know, saying, oh, I'm the I'm, I'm Jesus, but he's actually, you know, a terrible person who's, you know, having sex with like 15 year old girls or uh, the guy at Nexium where he's saying, oh, I know everything about the entire world, but actually he's doing all this bad stuff on the scenes. So one of the thing about cult leaders is they use the, they use their, you know, their their religion or they use, you know, whatever that is they're pushing to allow them to give them cover to do really bad things behind the scenes. And I think that that's one of the things that these climate, you know, you know hypocrites are doing. They're saying all the good stuff to the to the press and, you know, to their Hollywood friends and to their friends and academia but then behind the scenes they're completely acting differently yeah or the protesters i mean you brought up the just stop oil i think jim mentioned yeah. it. maybe chris mentioned it i don't know the just stop oil people that we've, we've talked about a number of times in the past that will deface art in museums or glue themselves to the roads or climb on top of trains during rush hour when people are trying to get home because you know the idea that you're just living your life and not paying attention to this crisis that's coming down to us like that that's unacceptable like but this you, is the most extreme version of like the jehovah witness coming to your door and soliciting their message to you it's like you can't even go home in peace without but, us but one 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 thing that's 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 uh interesting about the climate cult is the leaders and the followers both don't actually follow the rules that they are saying everyone else has to follow versus you know most cults if you're if you're a follower, you are following the rules. It's the leader who doesn't have to follow the rules. Leader right. just makes the rules up as they go along. But in this situation, you've got the leaders and the followers not actually following the rules, having a bumper sticker on their you know giant SUV saying, "Oh, I you know care about the planet," <laughs> you know, while they're taking vacations to Hawaii and you know they've got you know mansions all over the place sure. and stuff. So I think this is actually both the followers and the leaders are are saying a good game, but their actions do not back up their words. But you know, then was, they but then they point the finger at everyone else who says, "Hey, we don't believe in it. We don't want nothing to do with this." No, you actually have to follow the rules that we set that we don't follow. It's just it's so annoying. They, I was thinking about the just stop oil people, and then they had like a rash of different stories that came out a couple of months ago, and then I 
I was like, oh, they're, they've been kind of quiet recently. I haven't seen them very much. And then, like, seriously, the day after I th- had that thought, uh, a story came out about a Just Stop Oil Prester, uh, uh, protester that ruined the championship game of a s- uh, called Snooker. It's kind of like cool. It's, it's a- it's a billiards game, yes. Yeah. Just for you know people on the other side of the ocean, apparently. So we have a video of that here. This championship game going on, and oh, look at this guy hops up on the table and destroys the table with a a bag of of orange powder, and then yeah. he sits there because he thinks that he's some type of uh, you know hero for bringing attention to this cause, and then he's quickly dragged away from <laughs> by his security guards. Jim, you uh, you saw this simultaneously, uh, same time as I did, and, and sent it my way. So thoughts on this? I did. Yeah, well, actually, I I was looking around for uh, I I I like to find clips on Twitter. They're easier that way. You can just put in some search terms and maybe and then hit video and maybe it'll show up. And so I put just stop oil protest, and every video for like days was this uh, was this protest at the snooker tournament. Look, Europeans, especially Britons, take their snooker very seriously. You know, <laughs> and this this is a big deal. Uh, but I also came across a video, and I I didn't cut it, but came across a video. There were these. Um, there were these two guys standing on top of a train, a commuter train yep. somewhere in England uh, to stop it, you know, because I guess, you know, wait, I thought the climate cultists insist we give up our personal transportation and use public transportation. <laughs> and then they get on top of the train to stop public transportation <laughs> from happening. And these were electric trains, by the way. And the, the guy, they so the two guys were on top of the train. They finally got a hold of the guy's leg, pulled him down and sort of beaten the hell out of him. Uh, I felt sorry for the for the guy. But, uh, you know. These are these are working class guys, commuters trying to get home, uh, trying to go about their life, and just just stop all guys are uh, are stopping them from going about their lives. So they pulled him off the train and and, and started punching him. So, uh, but these the, again, these cultists, they think all of this is worth it. Um, you are not, you're so indoctrinated that the idea this the the the, the idea that others could just live their lives the way they want to, the the fact the, the idea that. Other people like you and me just want to be left alone. You know, you can have your views, you can express them, but just don't interfere with my life. And they feel so morally superior that, you know, doing something like ruining a snooker tournament or there was a last year, French Open, I'm a big tennis fan. Uh, a woman ran at, during the semifinals, ran onto the court and and connected her neck to the net and had to be dragged off. I mean, these people think nothing. Of, of disturbing your life because what is that what is a little inconvenience guys when you're trying to save the planet right right yeah we uh we're already at like the 58 minute mark i still have a few things to go so i think Let's we're go. gonna go a little bit long so if we get some support in the uh in the chat there in then the we'll chat yeah should we go long or not yeah um but number so eight pick, so the one episode where i'm standing the whole episode is the <laughs> one where you decide to go along let's go two every hours. other episode you cut it doesn't matter what's going on you cut it off right at an hour but the <laughs> one time i don't have a chair you decide you know what let's 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 go 30 extra minutes on this one well, 30, uh, you, donnie 60 extra minutes. Keep going. Here we go. <laughs> Just, I know you're a busy man. So if you need to hop off uh, or get a chair or something like hop that, away. Feel free. But uh, all right, number eight, followers feel they can never be, quote, good enough. So uh, this, I think, is best exemplified by a never ending stream of proposals and regulations and restrictions that come from top down usually. And we've talked about a million examples on the show, everything from light bulb restrictions to calls for people to start eating bugs as a part of their diets when it comes to 
protein consumption. But I've got two new ones for you. One is out of New York City. Mayor Eric Adams is looking to reduce his constituents' carbon footprint by having the city stop buying meat in its various jurisdictions. This includes for school lunches, uh, food that's uh, 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 purchased for hospitals or any other kind of state-run facilities. So, uh, you know, if you're living in New York City and you, you happen to be in the hospital, maybe your wife just gave birth to a kid and you're looking through the menu or something like that, you're going to be less likely to be able to find a hamburger. Uh, and again, it's all in the name of climate change. So isn't that fantastic, everybody? And then the second one, and this one was kind of crazy to me. I didn't hear about this. Uh, in London, they have a program. I don't know when this initially started, but it's called ULES, or Ultra Low Emissions Zones. Uh, and it's being expanded, I think, in August. So the program uses cameras to track and find vehicles that emit too much carbon um, uh, carbon emissions, whatever, in these zones. So it started off as one specific area. Now it's expanding. And surely it'll stop there and not expand further and further, inevitably incorporating the entire city. Surely that won't be the case. But we've talked about the idea of they're coming for your meat and they're coming for your uh, uh, internal combustion um, vehicles, right? These are two examples of just the past couple of weeks of exactly that type of thing. Uh, Justin, since you're standing, you, <laughs> you want to comment on either of these stories or the larger point? No. How dare you? I'm going to move this. I'm going to move this. Is a this protest. Gonna, I'm going to move he, this. He's going to throw. <laughs> He's gonna throw orange paint on. The, I'm gonna on I'm gonna come to your house and glue myself to the front door so that you can't get out. Um, look, look, I I think that there's there's this uh there's this great Star Wars quote talking about the Sith who are you know the evil bad guys in the Star Wars universe. Only the Sith deal in absolutes, uh-huh. right? Only only they deal in the absolute. Only they are the ones who say it's either all or nothing. You either do exactly this. Or, you know, it's the end of the world. And that is, this is, this is how this whole conversation has evolved now, right? It's either we absolutely go 100% in the direction of these lunatics gluing themselves to things, or we, uh, or we're all going to die, right? Like, like these are the, these are the choices. This is how they've set it all up. And if that's not, I mean, that, that is, I I don't want to say that's a, a sort of hallmark of, religion but there is an element of religion that says right that if you don't do you're either in or you're out right you're either going to hell or you're going to heaven like that's like that's a part of religion and a lot of religions and it seems like this is a hundred percent part of it i think a better example of and there's and there's people just riddled with guilt because of that because they because they aren't absolutists no one actually in western civilization can be an absolutist and so they're riddled with that guilt i think one of the best examples of it was you mentioned it earlier you alluded alluded to it earlier that nbc news confess your your uh climate sins thing um where it's like people people riddled with guilt coming on to uh talk about uh, on this website where they anonymously post uh these just the saddest things that you've ever heard in your entire life and you just think like this is i literally i just go to the website right this is one of the top ones of the, this is it's still there the website's still open yeah this is one of the people who posted i still eat red meat i have been trying to, to like beans for 10 years 
no. That's it. Working on buying less and less. This is another one. I'm 66. I buried my husband last year, but I kept buying food for him. Grieving is strange. Oh, this my is God. Like, like, I'm sorry, but how is that not? It's so incredibly, incredibly sad. Yes. It's so incredibly sad. I mean, another person, I am writing my confession on a cell phone that's made of plastic. I feel guilty about that. Mm. Like, these people are, it, it's, it is, and you know, and this is why um, it, it's so tragic that children who don't understand all of this and aren't being given all of the evidence, right. it's so sad that they have been drawn into this. And, and they're at the point now where, and this is why you see more and more younger people being radicalized by this idea. They truly believe the world's about to end and the psychological effect that that has on kids and everything else. It's just what we're in store for in the future is, is truly terrifying because of that being right. in the core of all of these children's psyches well, this, for years this, and years and years. This is, this if is that's down. not religious, I don't know what is people still talk about Catholic guilt who left the Catholic church 50 years ago. Like that's, I mean, it's, it's like that in a lot of ways. Well, I mean, this is all downstream for that, uh, what was it, point number two, where it's like, you know, they won't allow for any uh, word of, of, of uh, you know, like contra uh, uh, inquiry or whatever, right? They, they won't allow the other side of the, uh, the debate to be heard or something like that. So when you're only hearing the one side uh, or the idea that the Heartland Institute is going to put out a book that has a bunch of different facts that kind of reveal the other side of this of this uh, ledger here, that's super controversial. It's like, well, what do you expect these, these kids to come out of school uh, thinking like they're not going to have a, a holistic view of this subject. They're only going to have this one side of the ledger. That's all doom and gloom. So yeah, it is terribly sad. And, you know, I've talked to, you know, pr previous episodes about how this type of indoctrination is causing people to, to choose uh, how they're going to live and, and whether or not they're going to reproduce and have kids like that is a uh, an in, incredibly personal decision to have. And it's being, you know, altered or, or being twisted by people like AOC talking on, on Instagram about whether or not we should have kids because of the climate in the future. It's twisted. It's sad. And it's it's kind of frightening, honestly. Yeah. I, I've made the point in the past that, um, you know, about the climate cult and it, so it's for instance, like is uh, is the, the mayor of New York City actually in the climate cult? Is John Kerry actually in the climate cult? I think you can argue either way, but my, I tend to think no, that the people that are in positions of power are exploiting. They've helped create and they're exploiting the climate cult. They're the they're the foot soldiers uh, out there to to help lay the groundwork for more government control. And one of one of their favorite tactics, uh, one of my favorite blogs is uh, Ace of Spades, and Ace wrote this uh, uh, on a lot of topics a couple of, a couple of years ago, but. The left and the people in control, the people that want to control your life, first they'll say that this isn't happening, and then they'll say it's also great that it's happening, and they'll almost mm -hmm. say it at the same time because <laughs> that's what you know. So now New York City is going to ban meat. People like us on this podcast are saying, "Look, they're going to make you eat z bugs. They're going to take your meat away." No, we're not. Boom! Out comes New York City saying, "I guess we're just not going to um, use meat anymore. We can't do that because we have to save the planet." Uh, save the planet. They did this with gas appliances. Ah, uh, we we actually had a podcast on that very topic on this very podcast saying they're coming for your gas stoves. No, we're not. Boom. Actually, they are. And you, you see the regulations. You can't have a, I think, New York City. Uh, they've either proposed it or they've passed it. And California, the same thing. All new construction, not allowed to have any gas stoves anymore. 
Um, they did it for fireplaces. They did it for now they're doing it with vehicles, light bulbs, toilets, shower heads, farming in Sri Lanka and Holland. You can't use fertilizer anymore. Every time realists, climate realists warn about this stuff, we're we're laughed off by by the you know the people in power. That's that's crazy conspiracy theory, uh, theory stuff while almost simultaneously implementing those very policies. So yeah, the gaslighting, we see it, but the climate cultists actually helped lay the groundwork for that kind of gaslighting. Right. And they'll never admit that they were that they were wrong when they said like, oh, no, we're not coming for your meat. And then in the future when they actually are like, oh, we were wrong then. No, no, no. They'll never admit that they that. were wrong. They were lying. <laughs> that's... Not that they were wrong. No, sure. I mean, that, 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 that's a very important point to make. It's not yeah, that they no, were I hear wrong. You. But they were saying something knowing that the opposite was true to try to uh, prevent, you know, an outcry from people like us. And then in the mm -hmm. meantime, they're actually behind the yeah, scenes. to make us look crazy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Behind the scenes, yeah we're coming after your food. Plan. Okay, sure. Right. <laughs> right. Well, it ties perfectly into point nine, which is the group slash leader is always right. So, uh, you know, they've never, never admit that they were ever wrong. Um, uh, even when the evidence is stacked against them, they'll continue to parrot the same exact talking points, even if those talking points are completely contradictory. Climate change is causing drought. It's also causing floods. And climate change is causing uh, to, there to be no snow. People aren't even going to know what snow is anymore. Oh, in California, there's more snow than ever. It's climate change. So if something happens, it's climate change's fault. The science is settled. Uh, I don't think we have to belabor that point anymore. I, I do want to get think, to this. I think Paul Ehrlich is the shining embodiment <laughs> of that. For the past 60 years, this guy has just been proven wrong and wrong again and right. again and again. And yeah. somehow, some way, earlier this year, he was on 60 Minutes. Exactly. Plugging his new, you know, uh, the world is going to end uh, uh, panic. No, don't exactly. you guys understand that the priests and priestesses of the climate cult are infallible. They can be, there's no such thing as a contradiction. Whatever they say is law. Whatever they say is truth. And if it contradicts the truth from before, don't worry about that. This is the truth now. And so, right. yeah, that's again, a cult-like attribute. Uh, number 10, last one, Justin. The group leader is the exclusive means of knowing the truth or receiving validation. No other process of discovery is really acceptable or credible. I mean, this ties back to some of the other points that we've already made. Science is settled. There is no debate to be had. So I already know what Jim's answer is. This is a climate cult. Uh, but Justin, what's the verdict? What do you think? I think the furthest left faction of it is a is a cult. I would say that the I would say that there are a lot of people who are kind of uh, you know in the middle of the Democratic Party sort of machine establishment. They're they're you know and they're environment they they like they're pro environment is how they see themselves and they don't really know much about this generally. They don't think they actually believe we're all going to die. They don't live their lives that way. But they, so I wouldn't say that they're in the cult. I would say that they're just, you know, they're they're part of the. There's only two parties to be in, and they they see themselves in the one of those two parties, and so they're kind of in it and they're sympathetic to it, maybe, but they're not really in the cult. It's kind of like people who go to church because of the uh, coffee and and the parties and stuff but they don't actually really believe anything that that's being taught and it's just kind of a they, they yeah. only go to church on christmas or something right yeah, like there, those those kind of people there was an organization that i attended that had some really good uh of kool-aid but uh, luckily right. i didn't go to their last meeting so um <laughs> so so i think that calling this movement a cult doesn't really do it justice i, I don't even think that it goes far enough what climate change is 
and, and Chris kind of already mentioned this, it's the ultimate justification for ultimate control over the economy and society. Socialists and other central planners used to believe that capitalism was going to lead to increased levels of poverty, and that poverty was going to give them more justification to take control and centrally plan the economy and society. And it didn't pan out. Living standards increased, large middle class formed, and by the 1980s, people were more concerned with buying new gadgets than taking on the bourgeoisie. So climate change became the new boogeyman. And uh, yeah, okay, capitalism is making people wealthier, sure, but it's destroying the planet. And because of this, we need more control and to centrally plan the economy. And some of the worst government actions and overreaches of the past 15 years have been in the name of climate change. ESG is justified primarily by climate change. So that, that's kind of my, my final thoughts on all of this. Uh, I'm curious of what everyone in the comments uh, think about any of the points that we've made here. Are we stretching? Are we not going far enough? Do you have any other examples of some of the points that we've been trying to hammer home here? Chris, final thoughts on this episode. Yeah, so here, here's how I view this. I think that cl the, the, the climate change like movement has cultist tendencies to it, but I do not think that the vast majority of the people who, quote, say they believe in climate change are part of a cult. Because just sure. like I said, like the Branch Davidians, you know, that's a good example of a cult. And what did they do? They they their actions were, uh, you know, ba backed their thoughts. They believed that David Koresh was the second coming and they were going to live and die under what he said. And they did. These people, they say that they believe in all this stuff, but then when you actually say, well, are your actions backing that up? Like, are you living off the grid? Uh, do you buy things that are fossil fuel based? It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. But I still kind of want to be on the good side. So I, I, I don't think that these people are cultists in the classic sense of the word. I think a lot of it is their self-preservation. And they, they think for whatever reason that I kind of have to kind of, you know, go along with this stuff because if I don't, I'm going to be ostracized and I'm going to, you know, look like a weirdo and all this kind of stuff. So I think they really go along with it. But the, I, I do believe in 10 years or so, if it like the rubber really meets the road and these policies like, OK, you got to give up your gas car. You have to give up um, uh, your uh, your air conditioning and you can only set your thermostat to like 80. I think the overwhelming majority of Americans, at least, would say no way. I'm not on board with this. So when you ask them like, hey, do you believe in climate change? Yeah, I do. But when you, okay, so are you actually going to put your money where your mouth is? Are you going to do the things that the people of this of this cult want you to do? I think the vast majority of them are like, no way. And I think that the data backs that up because when you ask people, okay, would you be willing to spend an extra 10, 20 bucks a month to like, to like, you know, to uh, help prevent climate change? They're like, no. <laughs> Mm -hmm. So I think yeah. a lot of this is, uh, you know, bi-coastal liberals who say one thing, but don't really have to actually do it. And then the people, you know, in the flyover country where we're located, you know, thank God, I think that they're much more common sense and they're just like, this stuff is crazy. Like, well, no. it, 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 it's like a, it's like one of those distribution patterns where you've got like the cap that are the people that are like, quote unquote, in the cult. And then there's the other people that you're describing that fall kind of on either side of that and those lower levels. But those are the people that those cult leaders want to bring higher to the top. You know, they're at the level one of the reformed neo-Buddhism and they need well, to be up the level well, two. Well, and, 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 and one, one, one more quick thing, you know, to the, the Jim Jones thing is a really interesting example because a lot of the people didn't want to drink the kool-aid so what did they do they had people force them uh and, hmm. and they injected it in them or or exactly. they just or they just murdered them 
So a lot of the people, once they were like, wait a second, this guy really wants us to commit mass suicide? Like, hell no. And they tried to flee. What happened to him? Jim Jones and his, uh, you know, like like his captains were like, no, you're going down with us. I think sweet shoes, though. Go ahead, Justin. Yeah, I think I think that um, there's a, a really important thing that we need to keep in mind. And this is why this is why um, Michael Moore was ostracized from the from the community. Right. Is that there is a lot of people who actually believe that they they almost think that there's really no reason not to do it, that there are really no downsides to it because they think that all these green energy plans and all the stuff is going to be, it's just as affordable as other energy. In fact, they're being told that it's more affordable to have wind and solar now than it is to have traditional fossil fuels. They think that um, uh, there's going to be lots of jobs created, millions of jobs created by it. And so a lot of these people actually look at it and say, wait a minute. So climate change is a crisis, but we can fix the crisis. And all we have to do is switch our energy sources to wind and solar. And that's going to create millions of jobs and it's going to be more affordable. You know, why wouldn't we do that? Right? Sure. Like, why wouldn't we do that? And, and, and then what the Bernie Sanders of the world will get up and say, when you say, well, why isn't this happening if it's just such a great deal is they'll say, well, because there's all this corruption with corporations and the oil companies are buying off and there's misinformation from like the Heartland Institute type groups. <laughs> and, and that's why it isn't happening. And it's like, you can't even, I don't even think that that's even slightly cultish for those people to believe it. They're just looking at it like, oh, wait a minute. I don't understand this. You're telling me millions of jobs will be created. We can avert this climate change problem, whatever that is. I don't know, sure. but you know, we can avert it. And you know, it's going to save us money too. Like, well, of course we, this is common sense. Of course we should do this. And and there's just a lot of people who fall into that camp yeah, as well. Sure. Just sure. Think this makes sure. Sense. But, but you could be like, oh yeah, all I have to do is hang out at this compound and, and, you know, put on these cool shoes and drink this Kool-Aid and I get to ascend to uh, some alien mega ship or something like that. Great. Why wouldn't I do this? So they're just, you're just describing someone that's super indoctrinated to all of this. But uh, anyways, I'm, I'm trying to give, I'm trying to true. give your, I'm trying to give your feet a rest. Jim, I want to give you final words uh, on this episode. We're already 17 minutes long. This is uh, this is the first time we've gone this long on this show. So take us home, Jim. Just just to just to surf on something that Chris had said about uh, you asked people, polls show that would you pay an extra $20 a month to fight climate change? And they say, no, I wouldn't do that. Here's the trouble, though. We don't get to have a vote on it. This, these these climate mitigating measures that are completely unnecessary and reduce your freedom and reduce your quality of life uh, and make us all poorer and more miserable, you, we don't get to, we're not going to have a lot of input on that sort of stuff. It's just going to be implemented. That's why you can't buy, uh, that's why you can't build a new home in California and put a gas stove in it. That's right. why very soon in California, you won't be able to buy a regular Honda Accord, for instance, uh, that's powered by gasoline. You're going to have to buy, if you want a new car, you have to buy an electric vehicle. Um, we're, th that's, the, that, that's the thing about this that is, that is dangerous, is that all of this is, all of this is happening fast. And they, are, they actually are going to dismantle the current energy system in this country. They don't care. Because that, that's going to be easier for them to control you. And so this has to be pushed back on it. It's not enough just to say, well, no, I wouldn't pay an extra $20 a month to fight climate change. You're not going to have a choice. And it's going to be a lot more than $20 a month. So th that's what's so dangerous about this. And the, the people in power are exploiting the power of the cultists in our culture to take more control over our lives. 
to Marxism, as it always goes. Yep, absolutely. There was even more stories that we could have gotten into. Uh, maybe they're going to be talking about some of this stuff on the Climate Change Roundtable. It's a Heartlands show on Fridays at noon central time. There was one story that I saw about a Chinese firm that is going to be potentially entering a $10 billion deal with the Taliban in Afghanistan to be able to unlock some of their lithium reserves. So that was a crazy story that we didn't have time to get to today. Uh, but we're going to be talking about all types of crazy stuff next week. So I want to thank you all for joining us for this week's episode of the In the Tank podcast. Join us next week. Like I said, Thursdays at noon central time is where we are streaming this live. You could jump in the conversation, uh, whether or not it's on Facebook or YouTube or Rumble or Twitter and throw your comments in there. Maybe we'll show your comments on the screen. Maybe we'll address your questions on the fly. Also, if you would like, you can leave a review for us on iTunes. That'd be greatly appreciated. If you're not following us on YouTube already, make sure to hit that subscribe button. Sharing this content, hitting the like button, or even leaving a comment under the video all helps break through those big tech algorithms and prevent content like this from being shown to more people. Also, if you'd like, you can follow us on Twitter at InTheTankPod. Or you can send us your comments and suggestions to the show by emailing us at inthetankpodcast at gmail.com. Jim Lakely, where can the fine people find you? At Heartland Inst on Twitter, at Jay Lakely on Twitter. I did that backwards. And always visit heartland.org. Fantastic. And Justin Haskins, before you collapse like at your uh, at the end of a marathon run, where can the fine people find you? At Justin T. Haskins on Facebook, Parlor, Twitter, Getter, and uh, everywhere else where you can find people, white well, does pages. Parlor still exists. You know. I don't think Parlor, Parlor exists. Parlor Actually, Parlor Parlor is on the way out. I believe. I think it is. Uh, <laughs> it's You'll on the way the, out, but I'm still there. Yeah, turn out the I'm, lights I'm, on your way out the door there, Justin. You'll be the last I'm one. I'm still there. So if you, if you're interested, go to Parlor.com and see if it's still functioning. And uh, <laughs> Justin T. Haskins. Uh, Chris Talgo, what do you have to pitch today? Heartland.org. Always go check it out. We got so much bright stuff up there. Fantastic. All right. Thank you all for tuning in. We will talk to you next week. <laughs>